Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hello, it's me. I've been wondering if after all these years you'd like to me to go everything. We're back. It's us. I bet you didn't know. Hello, I did from- not laugh that entire time, and I'm so proud of myself. Hello from the other side. <laughs> bet that you know who it is. For the past hour. You know who it is, folks. It's the real Catholic stuff. <laughs> not this Roman counterfeit. <laughs> you don't have to translate into uh, euros, because it don't make dollars and it don't make sense. Roman privilege. Roman privilege. Folks, we are breathing with two lungs. This is Father Nathan and Father Michael. Yep. Back for our Christmas episode happy christmas harry happy christmas ron um episode of catholic stuff which um first i just want to give a a major like congrats to um bishop robert Barron, father michael father michael turned us on to this uh a couple days ago now i don't think we've actually congratulated him on his episcopacy not that he listens but we know his staff does many years bishop so they'll really they'll relate the message relay the message so congratulations uh we are extremely happy for you but um in all of his many duties he has managed to dethrone some immovable objects that we did not believe would actually be able to be unseated to that so um I think we said in the last episode that you can look up the rankings on iTunes. Yeah. Did we talk about this? We did. We we hinted at it, yeah. Yeah. And then Father Michael was like, oh, you know, we slipped to like 50th. And I was like, no, you got to be kidding me. Because I felt really good about like where you're sitting. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. Goldilocks, not too high, not too low, right in the middle. Like, I feel good about that. And then like a freaking meteor uh, out of nowhere Bishop Barron starts the Word on Fire show. So before there was Word on Fire, and that was mostly his sermons. Right. And um, and then there's like the Word on Fire website, whatever else. Well, Word on Fire show is kind of him having a conversation about relevant Catholic topics and culture. And I'm like, dude, you do that voodoo that you do <laughs> so well. And the guy is number five. Is that right? He... He's right now three. Bam! And he was two when I looked at oh. it a couple days ago. So and, God bless you for your work. And there are some like heavy, heavy hitters up there. I mean, uh, Father Greg Peterson's girl, uh, Joyce Meyer, <laughs> whom he loves. Is um, number six right now, and he's number three. Yeah, you best respect, okay? There is a new show on the block. Um, and um, So check it out. Number one, still Word Joel on Olstein. Yeah, Joel Olstein is still rocking out. Well done. You got great makeup. Always smiling. Good for you. Um, and uh, but I mean, who's number two right now? It is the Timothy Keller Sermons Podcast by Gospel in Life. Whoa, that's a long name. I didn't know. Yeah. Well, Tim Keller. He's usually well, two. Oh, okay. He is. Yeah. But then there's like Joyce Meyer, TD Jakes. Like, uh, who is the other ones? Catholic stuff you should know. It's crazy kids. No, we're oh, ne- we're never okay. that high. Okay, uh, crazy love podcast. Tara Brock. You give me love. Me- meditation love, oasis. Love, crazy love. <laughs> yeah, but I just want to tell him, uh, you know, personally, 
uh, I really hope that you continue your dominance and the Lord, uh, you know, blesses you with the same kind of blessing of Judah, where the mace shall never depart from between your legs. Amen. And uh, you continue to keep your foot on your enemies' necks. Another shout out, Father Mike Schmitz is number 40, and we're number 41 right now. Hey, there you go. So he passed us up. Congratulations, Father Mike. If I knew a New Kids on the Block song, I would <laughs> sing that to you, but um, I, uh, I didn't sing that back in the day. UMD. I knew UMD. about Donnie, though. Yeah. So check out Father Mike Schmitz, too. He's doing well. Exactly. Yep. We Catholics got to stick together. So, okay, we're done with that. But uh, this is our Christmas episode, and um, I had something strike me whenever I was teaching the uh, SY uh, brethren uh, the other day. Uh, I was lucky enough to take Father John's spot. So I had been teaching St. John of the Cross, but then they wanted me to teach Balthazar, and that was pretty intimidating. Uh, for a multitude of reasons, and you know, one because how am I supposed to do that better than uh, really like Dr. Lillis, who is very good at it, and then also John, who I would think would be very good at it. And um, I'm and sure you did great. You're so sweet. Um, but the the second the second class that we had uh, was a lot better than the first. I think it got all the jitters out. Um, I did my own Demarcus Beasley. And that's a little code, but some people get it. Um, and I was pretty nervous uh, before I went into the big game, and um, and then uh, the second the second class went a lot better. So um, one of the things that came up in there, which I thought was just a beautiful theme for Christmas, is uh, John uh, Father John had said when I asked him, like, how am I supposed to teach this book? Which have you read Heart of the World? Most of it, yes. Really? Yes. Check it out. What are your impressions? Bernadette Petraska gave it to me years ago when she was my directee and uh, uh-huh. Bernadette Mangini back then. And uh, I thought it was some brilliant prose that read like poetry, yes. which I think he does all the time. But it was the most the most amazing thing to me was when it talked about he, he wanted to ascend to heaven in prayer, like to get out of the, the dirtiness of the world to ascend to heaven. And as he was ascending to heaven, kind of poetically, he saw Jesus coming down. And Jesus is like, if you mm-hmm. want peace, you're going to be where I am. And I'm not... While you're alive, I'm not in heaven. I'm going to be down on earth working for souls, and and so he, he then his desire for kind of escape from the muck of the world was fulfilled in saying, "I'm going to return to the world to where Jesus is and where he's laboring." Now, again, that's my unpoetic description of what happened, but that's oh, wow. what I, that's the one thing I remember from reading it yeah. years ago. Part it's beautiful, of it, yeah. yeah, and it's very hard to break down. It's it's really like you said, it's more of an artistic, uh, impressionistic, uh, prosaic take on theology as opposed to kind of like rigid definitions and kind of how they fit and whatever. Like I just think of, you know, looking at Monet and water lilies and saying, is there an order to this? And yeah. then you start to understand the order and, and like yeah. the beauty of it yeah. versus like a, a BMW engine. Right. And, and it's like, wow. Like, you know, as we saw the other day, which uh, father Michael's car broke down um, and uh, I got called out to jump him. We were supposed to podcast he calls me from tattered cover. I'm just texting him from the comfort of my chair, like, "Oh, that stinks. I'm sorry, your car's broke down." Um, and uh, so I went out to jump him. And it's interesting. And in BMWs they have these posts that are on the engine, so you don't need to touch the battery, which is in the trunk, which is in the trunk and Weird. vented and very safe. Yeah. But uh, I thought, well, I'll just be smart and like try to jump it from the battery. And then I talked to a BMW owner the other day, and they're oh. like, "That's actually really dangerous. Never do that again." I was like, oh. "Note to self." But it didn't work. 
So, yeah. um, but a BMW engine is quite a remarkable thing, you know, put together. And, and I think Baldazar, in certain of his, um, you know, works, is really like a BMW. Mm. But in this one, he's kind of shifting gears, and he's, you know, trying to take uh, theology from a different kind of uh, tack. You yeah. Know? So I, I thought it was great. I, mean, I think it's one of those things that you can just you can read, and you you get get the beauty from the content as well as the language, and there's. That's like that's what that's what reading should be. I mean, that's when people read for enjoyment. Is they read you 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 learn, but you also have some sort of aesthetic stimulation that comes from yeah. the beauty of the language. Yeah, and he's. I mean, he got his major degrees in literature, not theology. Mm, so, okay. like in this one, it's like, wow, you're a master. Yeah. Anyways, but I was talking to John, and who's like a BMW engine, and uh, <laughs> I was like, how do I break this book down for him? And he's like, well, um, it's a, uh, it's actually an inversion of of uh, Saint Augustine's Confessions. So instead of reading chapters one through twelve, he reverses it and writes it chapters, mm. you know, twelve through one. Okay. And I'm like, how did you? I mean, who are you? <laughs> and uh, and then he told me later he he got that from Doctor Lillis. Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia. And uh, and it's funny because uh, Doctor Lillis, uh, who's one of the, he used to be one of the teachers at the seminary, and he taught this to our SY class. I'm pretty sure that I just had this deer in the headlights look the whole time he was teaching this, and he actually called me into his office, and he's just like, "Are you sleeping through class? Are you even paying attention?" And I'm like, "I'm trying. I really am. I just have absolutely no idea what's going on." Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is particularly – this passage is particularly the reason why I think that it flows um, kind of backwards to forward, forwards to backwards. And so we're going to read uh, sections from Augustine um, and then sections from uh, Balthazar and compare them and then uh, hopefully make a Christmas application. Amen. Pull the ripcord. We're out of here. You can open gifts. Um, <laughs> so this is book one. You know, page twenty-one, but this is after the foreword of um, of Saint Augustine's Confessions. So this is the very beginning, and this is this is the first paragraph. Can any praise be worthy of the Lord's Majesty? How magnificent His strength! How inscrutable His wisdom! Man is one of your creatures, Lord, and His instinct is to praise you. He bears about Him the mark of death, the sign of His own sin, to remind Him that you thwart the proud. But still. Since he is a part of your creation, he wishes to praise you. The thought of you stirs him so deeply that he cannot be content unless he praises you, because you made us for yourself, and our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. This is the pine coffin translation. Mm. Um, you may have, you know, you may have heard it before. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Yeah. It's beautiful. We're kind of seeing the world from our side, looking at God. And really saying, man, like, I need you. I need you, Lord. And uh, my deepest desire is to be in union with you. And there really is a a wonder and a depth to that that we can, you know, ponder for quite a long time. Yeah, we stand in awe of. In awe of. In awe of. I sped that up, it'd be a wrap. Exactly. In awe of what? Flow. We stand in awe of what? In awe of God's godness. Yeah. Yeah, but you have made us for yourself, yeah. and he has he has so fashioned us that uh, we have this sort of, and this is where we get the language of kind of a God-shaped hole yeah. in our hearts. We need the Lord. He has made us insufficient without his love, without his mm-hmm. grace, without, you know, union with him. We should not be content 
we're, we're full of anxiety and, and we are not content until we are content in him because he is greater than all the contents of this world. And we should, yeah. we should be restless until we rest in him. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> I don't know if this is the place to bring it up, but whatever. Um, I'm pregnant. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> Facebook announcement. Ta-ta! It's Facebook uh, official. The, um, uh, uh, I was talking to Father Brian, Father Brian Larkin, uh, from Our Lady of Lords Parish, and he was saying that he preached on joy the other day, and uh, I couldn't find it partially because I didn't do all of my research for this, um, but uh, I also just didn't want to like you know have to read you you know Augustine and Aquinas you know because it'd be like you know tryptophan for uh, the um, ADD Catholic, um, so. But he was talking, he preached about joy. And one of the things is we can, we can have a kind of joy in the objects of this earth, but it's a limited joy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that milkshake that you've been looking forward to for a long time, um, a.k.a. Crackles, um, when, as soon as I get home, it's going to go down for real, uh, butterscotch malt, and I'll, I'll go right back to Dawn, who makes it perfectly. Um, it brings you, boy, to the yard. That's right. For sure. That's right. <laughs> So I'm going to go back, and there will be a joy. There will be a union with the object of my desire, but it's limited, okay? There, there's only so big of a bucket that they can put this you know, milkshake in before, like, eventually it's gone, you know? And, you know, you might think about it for a little while later, but then I'm just going to be hungry again. Your heart will be restless again. Heart will be restless. Yes. And so if we're trying to find our joy in limited objects, we will never have like real joy we'll never have infinite joy mm-hmm. um you know like I, I think we talked about it before kansas city royals win they win the world series awesome next day like they've already got something else on espn you don't even have time to enjoy it right you know for the people in kansas city they're still talking about it great keep doing it but eventually like you know it's gonna fade and 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 you know like you'll have to find some other stimuli in order to get you know the same yeah satisfaction so what augustine is pointing to is that our joy is really in the lord and uh we we look for kind of the union with god and until we find that we're not going to have peace right and you know joy comes peace joy comes peace comes from joy yeah yeah we're we're, we're created to only be content in him we're created to find our joy in him and therefore nothing else is going to suffice nothing else is going to be sufficient and we feel that the depths of our being but we need to Mm -hmm. if we are discontent we need to remember that we're just not seeking after the same right contents right right and so when we talk about you know christmas i guess i'm you know making the application a little bit early because i think it'll come out really well in the in the balthazar quote um, when we talk about Christmas, there is an expectation on our part for the coming of the Lord and for the coming of that day. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's just a real excitement in, and anticipation of like we're going to open those gifts soon, and then you know the tree goes up, and then it's like, oh my gosh, like you know what is going to ha- go under the tree, and then you see something underneath there, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's it's like you know, kind of small, that could mean a lot of things. It could be a gift card. It could be like, you know, socks. Like it could be, you know, a game genie. I have no idea what you're looking for for Christmas. Cole. Michael. Cole. Cole. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so we're, we're like building up our desire until the time that we can actually like go 
and, you know, take the presents. Or also, I mean, like, I, I kind of said to people, you know, as I was talking to them this week, it's like, I mean, name one thing that you're excited for at Christmas, and you don't have to say Jesus. Right. Because I don't want people just to say, well, Jesus, but they're not really thinking of Jesus. You know, it's like, what are you really excited for? I'm excited to eat a whole lot of food and, like, get what I want, you know. Right. And and there is, a, there is a, a desire on your part to have the satisfaction of, this is exactly what I wanted, right. you know. And then your mind's blown, and it's like, oh, my gosh, purple and blue star suit. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they don't make them. Nice try, folks. Um, so, um, so then, you know, when we are, you know, thinking of Christmas, it's always from our own vantage. It's always from our own perspective. And we know that Jesus is coming or like, you know, Santa and all that comes, you know, around that. Um, however, like we're thinking it from our own perspective. But then I was kind of looking at this passage from Balthazar, which is at the very end of his book. So just like, um, like you know, Father Nepple said, uh, at the it's an inversion of the chapters, so that the end actually becomes the beginning, um, and this is the last paragraph of uh, Heart of the World. So Balthazar, everything harkens back to your throbbing heart. Time and the seasons still hammer away and create, and your heart drives the world and all its happenings forward with great painful blows. It is the unrest of the clock. And your heart is restless until it rests in me. Your heart is restless until we rest in you, once time and eternity have become interfused. But be at peace. I have overcome the world. The torment of sin has already been submerged in the stillness of love. The experience of what the world is has made love darker, more fiery, more ardent. The shallower abyss of rebellion has been swallowed up in unfathomable mercy and throbbingly, majestically reigns serene the heart of God. And so the part of the analogy that he's you know operating with, as you can see from the title, is the heart of the world. Hmm. And so you think about those in terms of tandem, like confessions, and really a, a confession is our own part, you know, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned. This is my part. This is what I have done. But uh, I remember Dr. Lillis saying in our class that it's not just a confession as in sin, but also a confession of his mercy, like almost a, I'm proclaiming, I'm confessing his praise. Hmm. You know, not just an apology is not just um, I am sorry, but one can give an apology for one's faith, faith a reason for one's faith. Hmm. So then from there, one side, it's man looking at God, and then um, in Heart of the World, it's how does God look at man yeah. and the world? And so this is part of the reason why it's really difficult to talk about, you know, Balthazar, especially to people that have all those categories, and, you know, how do you process through what he's saying, especially this line, your heart is restless until it rests in me. Your heart is restless until we rest in you once time and eternity have become interfused. If God is infinite and perfectly blessed in himself, then he has no need of me. There's no desire for me. So what does he need me for? Yeah. There's some sort of a desire without a need. That's the... Right. Yeah. There's a, there's an... I mean, obviously, 
that's what you're getting at. But there, there's a, he doesn't need us, but he desires us nonetheless, which is very superhuman. We, there's nothing in our life really that we don't get something from that. We don't, we don't, we only desire things we get something from God desires us without getting anything from us. Yeah. There's, there's a, a supernatural beauty there. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, Father Greg Peterson, he doesn't necessarily like the line. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but our praise adds nothing to your greatness, hmm. but helps us to grow in holiness through Jesus Christ, um, our Lord. Um, our confession of his praise, uh, and our confession of praise, our confession of his mercy, his love, does not make him even greater. Right. You know, but it aids us. Right. But what Balthazar is saying in here, and I, I really don't think that he's trying to say that God is kind of uh, this needy friend who, like, you know, is, like, blowing up, you know, the cell phone trying to get our attention, <laughs> like, right. you know, I'm coming, um, but rather is saying, like, God has made himself vulnerable. God has made himself with a need for us. He has created a thirst within the wellspring. Right. How is that possible? How is that possible that God can thirst if he is infinite? And I think the reason why he can thirst is because the intersection between time and eternity is the incarnation, right. where there is this uh, concrete expression of the limitedness of God is found in man. Right. And so because he's become man, he has allowed himself to be... Um, to experience need, to yeah. experience a thirst, to experience uh, a desire for communion that isn't satisfied, yeah. that it has to be elicited, um, and that God cannot make us love him, but allows himself um, to be lovable, not just so that we can love him, because we've already loved him even before he became incarnate, but now with God having a face as a child, now all of a sudden um, we can... Uh, he can look at he can look at us and say, "Do you love me? Because yeah. I desire you." Yeah. Therefore, the the interaction when we meet God and, and the the basis of that relationship is, is a twofold desire: a desire on His part to part to meet us, and a desire on our part to meet Him. Like I I remember, you know, I I ran into Wes Welker at Aviano Coffee Shop, right? And I was like, you know, I was like a little girl, you know, like, oh my gosh, you play for the Broncos, you know? And I walked up to him and and I shook his hand. It's like, and and he was very gracious, obviously, you know, the oh hi, you know, and being well, so, talkative, but he didn't care. Like, you know, who am I? But like, so there was a very one sided meeting, which happens with celebrities, of course, to get this all the time. But with with us and God, it's like we're. We don't approach him as we would approach an important celebrity. We don't approach him as saying, oh, I'm going to, out of charity, I'm going to let you take a selfie with me. You know, like out of charity, I'm going to shake your hand. Yes. It's rather he desires us even more than we desire him because that's what he's chosen to do. Yes. Even the scriptural images of like what, what God, I mean, St. Paul talks about Christ is the head and we are the body. You can't have one without the other. He talks about that, that Christ is the bridegroom and we are the bride. You can't have one without the other. And if you look at even, you know, in the beginning of the Gospel of John, he talks about that in the beginning was the word. So you have, if Jesus is the word of God and spirit in Hebrew, ruach, which also means breath. So if, if God the Father 
is using the Holy Spirit, which means breath, to speak his word, and the word is the revelation of himself. So you have God revealing himself in his very trinity, in his very nature. He's revealing himself through a spoken word that is spoken through the breath of the Spirit coming from the Father. Jesus is that word. He is the revelation of God himself because I reveal myself to you through words. We did, That's what we do. So, But to be a revelation... To, to find its fullness and find its completeness has to be heard. A receiver. It has to yeah. be received. And so I'm, I'm Jean Carbone here in, in um, Wellspring of Worship, amazing book, but he talks about that, that until the incarnation that, that, that then finds its fulfillment in the death and resurrection, then that finds its fulfillment in the ascension. So in the ascension, when Jesus goes back to the Father, is the fullness of the mystery received. So God offers the gift of himself, and he's been doing this since the beginning of creation, since before Adam and Eve, it, God was was offering this gift of self, but it wasn't received perfectly until Jesus Christ. And so but but Jesus Christ, of course, only did this so that we'd learn how and be capable of receiving the gift. So when Jesus Christ died and rose, he welcomed our human nature into his divine nature, therefore allowed us in him to receive the gift perfectly. When he ascends to the Father, humanity now joins with the Father after the ascension, and of course, we are human. So that there is a very real fact that God, in his vulnerability, chosen vulnerability, he decides to interact with us in a way that has to be received. Wes Welker's day was not made any better by meeting me. My day was certainly made better by meeting Wes Welker. Mm-hmm. But 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 it's that way that 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 God he 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 in in his vulnerability he condescends and he expresses himself in a way that has to that needs our part. So he reveals himself. It's not a true revelation in its fullness until it's received by us. That happens because of Jesus Christ. And so there is, I think we can use the the, the word desire. God desires us. And he's in a sense restless, like Balthazar says, until we are able to worthily receive what the worthily fulfill his desire by our reception of him. It's imperfect, but it, it's, it's, it's our reception of him through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And the, I mean, that's what a baby is. A baby is needy. Mm-hmm. It's needy. It needs food. It needs warmth. It needs to be held. It needs um, attention to like hear, you know, people. Yeah. Um, and God made Himself kind of vulnerable and needy and uh, to experience poverty. Yeah. I mean, and this is like, I mean, it's already in the scriptures. But there's probably some sort of, I don't know, theological maxim, uh, Garagou Lagrange uh, would probably say, oh, no, we can't say that God experienced need because that would mean that, you know, he's insufficient in himself and whatever else. I don't know what to say. I, I don't know theologically what to say. I'm just looking at this image of the nativity right. and and kind of reading these two passages, and I'm saying that God has made himself restless until we receive him, yeah. until at Christmas we receive him, and he wants us to receive him. Yeah. He wants us, he wants to rest in us. And it's not just like... Um, at Christmas, he's going to come as like a fully grown man and everything's great and whatever else. He's coming as a child and, and, and a little baby. Like we can understand that. Yeah. We can understand what little babies need and what little babies want. And he's allowing himself uh, to be um, small, I guess, to yeah. be small. And 
I don't know what the word is. I just feel like there's like this heresy button that like people like press <laughs> on the podcast and it's probably like worn out like a joystick on an Atari or something. We we, we got a uh, we got a comment on on iTunes. Some guy was like gave us a one star. It was like Catholics beware was the was the subject of his thing. Catholics, Catholics beware. beware. This is the. I think Either he said word. that they're off sometimes in human truth and divine truth. Yeah, I totally disagree yeah. with. Well, I I would kind of agree with that, and I'd probably say you're probably not so close in right. human truth and divine truth either. I mean, we're weak, obviously, obviously we're weak, but I don't I don't think we're teaching any heresy. Yeah, we're quite careful about that. Well, anyways, so I think that part of the task of Christmas is to not just see like Christ is coming, but uh, Christ is coming not only to be a gift to us, but to be received. Yeah, to be received yeah. by us. Because he has a desire to be with us. Yeah. He is Emmanuel. And God with us is not just the the God of the world is, you know, like, I don't want to use Wes Welker as the example, but you know what I mean? Like, someone super important, super almighty, I'm letting you come stand next to me. Right. You know? But it's it's also with us. Like, he's actually allowing himself to have us with God. Right. You know, and he's putting himself in kind of the lower place so that he can be, you know, in this place, in this world, in this reality, in this time frame, in our own likeness and yeah. in our own kind of image. I don't know. I, I, I do think he's not in our image. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I do think that there is an immensity of the mystery of the nativity of our Lord because it does involve the fact that God, that God took, you know, he became a man. He became someone that, that our, our entire, not only were babies, but we're needy, even when we're adults. And so there's, there's something about, he took on the form of, uh, he became a man, you know, he became something that was needy. And obviously Jesus Christ needed his mother and his foster father to take care of him. Mm-hmm. You know, he needed that. And I, I don't think there's anything heretical about saying that he, he needed that. Um, one of the most beautiful things I love about the mystery of the nativity is I was just talking about that this morning in, in our men's group at the parish. There's that if you look at the icon of the nativity, Jesus, who is wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, the it looks exactly like Jesus wrapped in a burial shroud laid in a tomb. Mm. So you look in the iconography and the manger and the swaddling clothes are the exact same thing as when he's older, the, the same shape of the box. The, you know, it's, it's all the same as when you see an icon of him dead in the tomb. And so there, there's an immense correlation obviously between these two mysteries the mystery of the nativity and the mystery of his death and so you're supposed to see you know there's a certain melancholy you you see that this is why jesus became a man he became human being in order to die for us i mean that that was the immense gift of it so there's a, a joy but he's vulnerable he's vulnerable as a baby he's vulnerable as an adult so vulnerable that he actually underwent death the separation of soul and body so that there is I don't think there's anything wrong with saying and standing in awe of the beauty of Jesus becoming vulnerable and becoming needy and doing it so that we can receive him well. He gave himself in that form in order to prompt in us the proper response, which leads to our salvation. And he has he has joy in doing it. Yes. I mean, the, the joy to the world isn't just the world rejoices because her Savior is here, but also the Savior rejoices because he desires the world. Yeah. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so there is a part of the son who desires 
the world and desires uh, sinners and desires not just to, to perform some action on behalf of the Father, but because he loves he loves his creation. You know, I guess the conclusion is, um, you know, Christmas is twofold. You know, every single year we rejoice that God is coming again to be born into the world. But from the other side, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are rejoicing that the world still has a need uh, for the Savior and that that Savior, the Son, can bring joy to this place. And God rejoices that his Son is birthed once again to complete and fulfill this mission of reconciling the world back to himself. Yeah. So, Merry Christmas. Yes. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Harry. Happy Christmas. Um, Shoot, I was going to say something else. Whatever. You got anything else? You got a little... Some Christmas tidings? No. Merry Christmas, really? everybody. Blessed Nativity. Well, we, the Byzantine greeting, which I cannot say yet, but since I guess we're outside of space and time in the podcast. But exactly. Is, is, <laughs> Christ is born. Is, he is, is truly born. Close. <laughs> Glorify him. So oh. Christ, when one person greets Christ is born, the person responds, Glorify, Glorify him. him. We, we, say that, like that. we say that to the end of the season. So, so if this is coming out on Christmas Eve, if you're listening to it a day late, then... Christ is born, Father Nathan. Glorify him. Amen. All right. I want to read one uh, Christmas letter. That's right, folks. Not an email, not a text, not a Twitter, something that came into the mail Old to me. Thank Old you. School. Merry Christmas, fathers. As I have mentioned, oh, it says email correspondence, but you know, we'll just skip that part. <laughs> My wife and I thought it appropriate to add you to our Christmas card list in light of the role you played in our conversion to Catholicism. We have never met and do not know each other at all. But the truth is that you are partly responsible for my wife and I converting to Catholicism, and my young daughter will be raised in the church as a result. I cannot understate how important your voices have been to this journey for us. The influence you have had on my family's trajectory for the better will likely play out for generations, and I don't think that is an exaggeration. As a small gesture of our appreciation and close, you'll find a recipe for a traditional Christmastime beverage that strikes me as being right in your wheelhouse, Alton Brown's Aged Eggnog. I would have sent you the finished product if the shipping were not so tricky, so instead, please use this enclosed check. I shouldn't have read that part. The fun <laughs> production of your own eggnog awesome. stash. They were so kind. Amen. Um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if nog isn't your thing and you're not up to making it, feel free to use the funds to keep yourselves well supplied in Berman. My feelings won't be hurt at all. Thank you again for all you do and have a wonderful Christmas. God bless you. Tony, Kate, and Maddie Guzzaldo. Um, and they live in Sycamore, uh, which is right near where my grandma lives. And uh, uh, yeah, it would be uh, fantastic to meet you. Uh, what I... Uh, really felt when I read that letter was um, there are many times that I have no idea and don't appreciate the full impact of this podcast and of our kind of feeble efforts to keep you both entertained, informed, and hopefully converted. Um, But to hear that uh, there is an echo back from the kind of void where there really are like people, persons who are like having conversions and even converting to the faith because sometimes it's like oh we're just preaching to Catholics it's like somehow a Protestant found this out or an atheist I don't know it doesn't really say 
Um, and then they find out about this podcast, and then now, like, their children are going to be beneficiaries of the sacraments and of Christ and whatever. It just blows me away. Um, so um, that's the reason why um, we do this, in part uh, so that we might save some and ourselves. Um, and uh, I'm just so grateful uh, that there are some people that have found benefit through this and um, know that you'll be in my intentions uh, for Christmas, uh, all of listener land. Um, and uh, yeah, someday we'll meet in heaven and um, I will be judged for the things that I said wrong. And hopefully there's enough right that outweighs the bad. So, yeah, so forgive us for all the crazy things we said wrong too. That's right. One star man. <laughs> um, and to our brothers, um, uh, this will come out on Christmas Eve, um, and uh, Father Mike and Father John uh, will be flying home very soon after that, so our joy will be full yes, uh, when the Pleroma of the Companions are all together. So until then, uh, we'll see you later. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christ is born. Glorify Him. Glorify Him.